Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's associate director and your host, Hamish Perry. Hello and welcome to our festival Trevcast. The Trevcast, as you know, is a regular conversation where I got the chance to sit in a room with a writer and learn about their craft. And today, sitting opposite me, I'm very excited to say, is a writer and director who's co-founder of Belgian theatre company Entourant Hood. His work has included A History of Everything, Once and For All, All That Is Wrong, and currently, in Trevor's 2, we're really pr- proud to say, is Fight Night. Alexander Devind, Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Not at all. How are you? Good, 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 good. Brilliant. First question I wanted to ask. Well, one of the things that, I, that really excites me about your work is that as, a, as an audience member, we are asked to view work and to interact with it in a different way. Uh, whether it be All That Is Wrong last year, where I got the opportunity to watch a 14-year-old girl write with chalk and learn about that as a piece of theatre, with no dialogue really, with very little words, but just to watch that and experience that. And then, for example, this year, I'm, 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 doing live, I'm live voting on a politician I want, and I'm really engaged, and I, as an audience member, I dictate what happens in the story. Mm-hmm. And I know famously before that, your level of audience engagement mm-hmm. <laughs> has been even more extreme. What do you, how do you see the, your, your relationship with the audience? Because it feels like it's different to everyone else's. It might not be. You might not even think about it. But for me, for me, it doesn't feel so different. Um, basically, theatre is communication of an idea of, of something you want to achieve. And you want to do that both intellectually and emotionally. And for instance, this year, Fight Night, um, I wanted to tell something about a majority and being part or not being part of a majority. And, you know, you, you could do a play where... The main character is a voter who has difficulties of it. But I just like it for the communication of the idea that you live on during the play, that you don't have to zone out, but your life just continues. And the decisions you make during that hour or the, the, the things you saw, the, what you experienced, just continue happening. It's still a metaphor, but... I try to make it less easier to just see it as a safe metaphor. Sometimes that needs interaction, sometimes that doesn't. That's fascinating. So do you, do you feel that when you watch, let's, let's call, use the word straight, yep. say a conventional piece of theatre, when you see that piece of theatre, do, do you see your audience experience as, as being, I suppose it is, as being very passive? Well, more and more, of course, that's not the idea. In that sense, um, look, I, I don't want to think about other plays in that sense because, like for instance, you know, just watching a monologue uh, of a person has its qualities and all that. And the only thing I'm busy with is like you, where everybody, every writer, every director is, in a way, telling the same stories. In a way, like um, the for instance plays about. Um, People in power have been on for centuries. 
the only thing you have to see is to ha how to find a new way to communicate that idea again. And some people do that in a new adaptation of Hamlet because it needs adapting. But I try to s look at that way in that you feel it differently or that you um, engage with it differently in that sense. And theater is just the most open space you can do it in. Anything is possible there. Like if you want, if you need your for your idea to have a one-on-one -on -one experience, it's possible. Like if you need. Um, yeah, if you need to feel that live energy and you feel like you, you just didn't tape it and show it to me, but you can feel it like with, for instance, with Once and For All, even though you know they already did it 40 times, you feel that energy. Any form is possible in theater. And that's just what I want to try to see. New ways of communicating in that sense. And did you, your journey to get to this sort of really exciting way of looking at that thing but you love the way you talked then about the idea it's whatever the idea needs mm -hmm. did your journey as a theatre maker did it start where did it start what was, what was the first sort of work that you were making or that you were interested in engaged with that made you start did you, were you always making work like this or were you where did you come from where was the embryo of Alexander whoa um, look I, I I said this a couple of times but we were a poetry company just with a drive of trying to do something and after three sort of poetry performance things we would we i was just thrown into theater in a way i didn't realize i was making theater while we were making it and the beautiful thing about that is you don't know the rules and when you don't know the rules it's not about breaking the rules you, you there's just no guidelines to stop you or to guide you in a sense and uh like more and more the more you make and the more you see other work you start to feel guidelines and rules and all that but i always want to go back to that place of like anything's possible what do i need and i always cherish that free uh, free feeling like for instance once and for all i was working together with a, a sort of youth theater company i wrote a house more and I remember at a certain point they were telling me, you can't do that with children, what you do. It's too wild. You have to, you have to calm them down, in a sense. But also there, I didn't know the rules. I didn't get any uh, guideline how to work in a theater, the, the, theatrical way with teenagers. And I just stepped in with my mind frame. Um, like, for instance, now I'm going to do something that's maybe a bit more dense. I don't know anything about dance. Maybe it will be my downfall, but I try to look at it in a fresh way, like anything's possible. And, and because I don't know the rules of dance, so I'll, 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 I'll probably break some while I'm not aware of it. And I like that feeling. There's no, it's not about breaking taboos, it's about having none. Um, because sometimes, of course, then people are like, ah, oh, you're always provoking all that way. Ah, I don't see it that way. I hate a little bit the Epitel Ornans, the Belgian provocateurs. It's not the point for me. Uh, but okay, it's, yeah, it's, it's something you have because of what we do, probably. For you, you're just making work, and if people happen to be provoked by it, they're provoked by it. That's not, it's never been your intent. That's the thing. Like, but look, if I always say if theatre is not challenging, why bother? And there's always a thin line between challenging and provoking. But the main thing I want to do is communicate and hopefully, you know, get, give you something that you can do something with in your own life. And 
like I said, that's that's the only reason I want to do it. Use the communication of theater to get an insight, hopefully a personal one. Um, yeah. Not meaning to keep talking about the word provoking. That wasn't my intent. But just then, as you said, we have to provoke to make theater the purpose of it. And you were talking about communicating this idea and this story. Is there a point, and um, how do you, as a maker, in the rehearsal period or in the devising period, do you often find there's a moment where, you, where your level of provocation, dare I say, is becoming more, is going to overpower the story, and what's the balance with that? I never have it in the re in the rehearsal room. Um, I only had it twice in Edinburgh, for instance, with plays that I didn't control anymore. That was audience and internal. Um, two plays that just went on a life of its own. Um, and I also have to say, I think that's that makes them, for me, less plays um, because they're not good enough. They're too, they, some, they, because of what happened in the play, the play becomes about that and not about what it is anymore, what the play is about or what you want to communicate. Like, for instance, with internal, I just wanted to show how fast you can build up a meaningful relationship with a stranger. But the show was all about breaking trust and and uh, you know provoking people and trying to insult them. And I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do there? And in that way, I would call it less good plays because they aren't enough a metaphor because there's not enough time to reflect on what happened because what happened is too real so there's this thin line there um there's this thin line between making you feel emotionally engaged but at the same time also having the opportunity to reflect on that behavior during the play which i think is better in all that is wrong or fight night or game of you which you haven't so shown here yet and which was sometimes a bit lost in audience and uh, internal Right. What do you do? You see, as a how do you see yourself? I mean, uh, there's often a debate about in Scotland at the moment about what is what is writing, what a writer is. If you're if you're sitting down and you're and you're, and you're literally writing, then you're a writer. If you're creating in a different way, is that writing? Da, 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 da. And all a a lot run artist director here, a brilliant way of solving that argument but not not wanting to talk about it it's just saying well let the artist decide mm -hmm. so i suppose i ask you that question just because i don't want to start that debate now but just to go to you how do you what do you see yourself as um i see myself as something somebody who has a role in the social um happening that theater is both in the rehearsal room and and in collectively sharing it as somebody somebody who makes things possible like and the, the best way to describe that is the director, um, but I wouldn't make any other distinction uh, in that sense. Um, like, for instance, if I don't have in Fight Night these actors wanting to engage, wanting to win this, wanting to communicate the idea about what we're trying to say about majority, then, yeah, there's, yeah, I did, I, then something went wrong. Um, it's 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 basically the social aspect of theater that I love so much. You know, my father was a was a is a is a painter, and he's already been sitting for forty years on his own behind his easel painting, and I always knew I want I want I want collectively things to happen, and every project has a different way. Like for instance, with teenagers, I'm much more of a 
like you, you the, the the actors there are not so busy with the end product or the artistic end product so you have to make other things possible like for instance in the one-on-one work um there's a completely different role i play there and what i like about the company is all these guys right now we have seven plays on on tour and they're just touring without me needing to be there i did my part uh like for instance all that is wrong which was here last year these three guy, uh, three uh, three actors, uh, the girl, the boy, and the technician, they just go in a van and just go tour on their own. It's their play. It's it's always been their play, and I made it possible. And I like that. I like that a lot. If that happens. How's the uh, fact? Let's go back. I just had a really lovely image of a of a man with an easel and a small you looking over the shoulder. <laughs> what, uh, what was your artistic upbringing? What were your, you know, did you, was it your dad that inspired, inspired taste, gave you your idea of aesthetic taste and interest in that? Well, both of them really. Um, my, my parents are separated, but each one of them had this, you know, they both had big bookcases, uh, uh, bookshelves, I mean. Uh, so there was always something to discover there. I was... I was always stimulated to see things, you know, I sometimes found them really boring when I was young, but there was always this thing of like, there's, there's another way of communicating things. Um, and, but what I, what I mostly had was that, how would you say that? Never talked about this. Um, this idea of having this passion in creating something no matter what it is was was always was always instigated was always stimulated in that sense even when i did some like the horrible we we, you know, we made when i was 14 we made some really weird poetry performances which just like only for ourselves and nobody could understand the thing and i remember always my dad being there and like i love it i it's brilliant it's good and when having that sort of feedback you just go on even because you have to make shit until you make something that can communicate or you have to make hermetic things. And he was always there to sim- simulate that. But like I said, I wasn't jealous of him. It seemed so heavy and so lonely that I always knew it's going to be something else. It's going to be... I don't believe so much in the in the part of the genius artist or the the big example like nobody does something alone nobody has an idea on its own it's always because of talking right while we're talking maybe we have some ideas so that's what i love so much about that it's inherently social theater like for instance when you're a writer behind your bookshelf it seems like you're doing it on your own but i think i believe you make much better work if you communicate it about it and listen and hear and 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 talk about it don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> gave us some images. When um, so, then rehearsals obviously is a very social environment for you, mm-hmm. and someone that likes working in that dynamic with other people. Then obviously, I can see a lot of the work must be come out of rehearsals and feels devised. Then, how much of an idea do you go in? Do you know what the shows? Have you decided what the idea you're trying to explore is as you go in, or do you have quite detailed breakdowns already of? But more and more, I come I come in with with a detailed structure in that sense. Um, when I work with uh, adult actors, I have to say I make a sort of distinction there because I remember with both teenage right and all that is wrong, I'm more open. 
because I want really them to drive it um, or them to decide. For instance, with Teenage Ride, I really wanted to make a sort of critique on on the on the outside world, and I felt in the rehearsal room they just wanted to talk about their parents and and the things at their school, and I was like, all right. I have to change my mind frame and make that possible. Or for instance, with all that is wrong, it's not interesting what I think is wrong with the world. It's interesting what the girl thinks is wrong with the world. So I had to make sure that she could freely fill that in. But for instance, with Fight Night, I'm, I, have a, I have a pretty decent structure because the more you structureize it, the more freedom the actors sometimes have. Um, I remember also when we made History of Everything, I just gave these, I have a sort of structure, and then I asked all the actors, what are all the things you ever wanted to play? Because that's possible. I did a history of everything. You could say, I want to play Cleopatra, I want to play Tsunami, I want to play Marilyn Monroe, I want to play whatever. You could do anything. So I, it's structurized, but it's really open to fill it in. That's, that's the, then I feel I get the most out of an actor in the rehearsal room. When he feels like these are the, this is the frame I can fill in, but what's in what's gonna be in the frame is really open. That's that's for me the most yeah, the most engaging I get. And for instance, history of everything, they already played it for ninety times. I want them to still enjoy it. And when they have ownership over it, they will. Um, but if I would have decided everything, they would just be a vessel of my ideas, which is not the point, I think. What well, um what does Alexander do to relax? play games <laughs> of course you do oh i'm a game nerd oh, really what sort of games we're talking computer games we're talking board games uh, out. Uh, and ever, everything like really everything yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a nerd man oh i have to admit it once i played world of warcraft for six months but that was too much that was uh, I that's not one game for six months yeah yeah you know world of warcraft jesus christ that's the world <sighs> I made. I, I I remember I was rehearsing during the day from ten to six. Then I worked until the play until twelve, and then from twelve to three, I played World of Warcraft every day. All right, let's not go go into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love games. I love I love the structure of it. The the sort of finite. Um, you know, sometimes when you have a play, it has its own logic, and yeah. a game inherently has that. It's limited, and it sometimes it can feel really freely, but there's a sort of inherently structure that you can try to yeah, play with, find your way, and whether it's a board game, which I like a little bit more because of the social aspect, of course, and the characters involved and people you know, having other drives in the game itself. I prefer board games over uh, video games, but I'll, I'll play anything, anytime. <laughs> what um, if you had a little envelope and you could put one sentence in to give two writers or theatre makers in the future for one little bit of advice what would that be mm -hmm. I'm going to use somebody else's sentence with a sentence I, that I wish I would have heard um, I forgot the name can look it up but what he said was when you start creating something you will you will hate your own things because it's not good enough but the thing that you forget is that your taste tells you that it's good enough and your taste is the thing that could drive you but some people never get past that point 
because they just think it's not good enough and they don't cherish the fact that eventually sometimes your taste will say all right this will do but that can drive you that's brilliant <laughs> alexander thank you so much for spending the last 20 minutes with us it's been a real pleasure thank you for having me and asking me cheers We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.